Hello, everybody, and welcome to Into the Parade, which in the chaos of the church it is both of us today. Um, how's Mary? Good. How are you? Yes, loving <laughs> it. We're we're here to talk about a gospel tract, aren't we? Are yeah. we are genuinely excited about that? And when I say genuinely, it's like why would you not be? But there's been a couple of things that have happened at this end in the last week or so that have enabled us just to feel a real sense of um, uh, confidence in what we're doing with mm-hmm. this, just a sense of assurance. So what we're going to do today is take you through this new gospel tract, Repent Now, PTO, He Loves You. That's the gospel. Repent Now, He Loves You. And what we'll do is we'll go through each section. Um yeah, the reason why we're doing this, apart from the fact that we should all be doing this anyway, <laughs> that's what we're commanded to do, is that I read this book over Christmas. I read a couple of biographies of J.C. Ryle. You can see here uh, by Ian Murray, Prepared to Stand Alone, one of the one of the most enjoyable books I've ever, ever read. And for those of you who don't know, just briefly, um, Ryle was prolific when it came to track writing. Um, he was a prolific preacher and tract yeah. right gospel tract writer generally and i felt there was a need for us to respond to that for us all regardless of where we live to take responsibility for our parishes um particularly in the context and that's what we're going to cover today that many parishes if you want to use that word are being ripped off by false teachers by fake pastors by false shepherds and parishes up and down the country and neglected because the the official people who are paid salaries and stipends, etc., don't do this properly. Um, they don't preach the gospel mm. properly. So that's what we want to do. And we want to explain uh, through what we've written, um, why we've written what we've written, yeah, and um, how that relates to what we believe is is happening within the church. Mm-hmm. So, how do we want to do it? <laughs> So what we'll do is we'll just go through each section. We'll probably take it in turns to read and then we'll just give some brief thoughts about why it felt important to include that section um, and to give a bit of context for it. And then, and also just to say, we hope to have this on the website as well. So if you would like, you know, to access it yourself we're hoping to make that available to everyone to use also so that should be there soon yeah we're not quite sure how that's going to work yet <laughs> no. because we need to arrange um with the with our printer our very kind printer who's who's um given us 500 of these initially so that's a good start yeah and of course we'll be going into the thousands of homes around us so it's just a but to encourage you there'll, there'll be a way of mm. doing that and um if you want to use these and um, so here it is, uh, repent now, PTO, he loves you. Those are the two bookends. And this, by the way, is very short. This will take five minutes to read. Here are the contents. There's a couple of mistakes in here. This is just a, a trial version. So we know that's John 11, not John 14. And there is the quote from John 11. And then the, the, these three sections that we want to go through. Four, four sections. Four, four sections. Um, a reality check, number one, an apology, number two, then repent, question mark, and then gods and kings. And notice here that we're making free Bibles available. So we believe that when the when the true gospel, the full gospel is proclaimed with the, I think, what is a prophetic getting real 
edge, then people will want mm. Bibles. Yeah. And, you know, anyway. So let's go through these. I'll read it and then we can just discuss why we've written this like mm -hmm. this. And this is the first. They'll read the quote. They'll have the contents page. They'll have the command to repent. And then the assurance is because God loves them. And then this quote. And then this is the first content. We are living in days in which our children are being taught in school that they can choose their gender. Pornography is safe to experiment with. Creation is a fairy tale and that God himself is either dead, aloof or a hateful terrorist. Over the last century in Great Britain, especially in the decades since World War II, thousands of pointy church steeples landscaping our towns and cities, quite literally designed to guide our eyes upwards to heaven, have been skewed by the very thing you probably dislike the most. Man-made religion, abusive hypocrisy, and hopeless legalism. What are our churches actually pointing to today? To which God exactly? The God of popular Christian culture? Or the only true God of the Bible? Jesus Christ. There is a simple diagnosis for this confusing spiritual condition. The problem is not with God in heaven, but with the compromised church on earth. The problem is not with who is being represented, but rather with whom the representing rests. Some of you will object to reading this, perhaps especially Christians, but for others of you, a penny is dropping. The biggest problem facing Western civilization today is not secularization, terrorism, corrupt governments, rampant LGBT ideology and aggressive cultural Marxism. It is a Christian church who do not fully believe the historically unique gospel message as found in the black and white pages of the Holy Bible. Jesus' words in John 14, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father, except through me. In other words, buried in the rubble of our messed up, post-rational world gone mad, remains the unique Christian message and precious pearl of grace. Repent, he loves you. No other spiritual guru throughout history, no other world religion or, quote, God, no other philosophy, paradigm or prophet freely offers this unmerited favour of the grace of God. This is an unparalleled and uniquely Christian message. And then a quote at the, very, at the end there from mm -hmm. Ephesians 2. So why, why have we started with, with that? I mean, we wanted initially to, to grab attention. Um, I think, like you were saying, it's probably unlikely that somebody has read a a track that begins with something like that and I think it's important to acknowledge the culture that we live in so when you're trying to reach people you want to do something that that helps them like a hook you want them mm. to to read something and think oh like what is this what I haven't I haven't read something like this before mm -hmm. to help mm -hmm. to kind of get their attention when it yeah. when they're sort of opening to, and entering in. To break that cliche of religious material yeah exactly we, we actually mm -hmm. in our leaflet drop drumba last year yeah, we came across a, a house that said that had a sticker <laughs> yeah. on on their actual porch saying, "No religious material." Mm -hmm. Check it out. When we then got to speak to the person, they were Christians. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so the Christians don't like religious material either. <laughs> yeah. What they're going to think of this, I have yeah. no idea. We are, of course, Christians. I'm referring to them as they that they and they and us. That's you know what I'm saying. I know. Yeah. Anyway. Um. Yeah, and I think also just to acknowledge that within the gospels, unchanging, the Bible is unchanging, God's word is unchanging, but just to we've got to we've got to think about the culture and the society that we live in and what's going on in the world and and you know religious material can also can feel quite unrelatable i think to yeah. a lot of people so trying to speak to people in a way that mm-hmm. they can understand like if you put a jc rail track through the someone's door today mm-hmm. It wouldn't have the same no. effect. Yeah, you know? which, which is why I, I don't think J.C. Ryle would would be a, a C of E exactly. bishop, mm-hmm. or uh, you know, because if he if he could have seen what we're living through, he would have yeah. smashed it up. He really would have. Um, that's not helpful to say that. You know what I mean? He he wouldn't have tolerated. And mm-hmm. in fact, if we'd prepared some quotes towards the end of his life in 1900, he said something to the effect. He he loved the idea. Of, of unity mm-hmm. he loved the idea which is admirable you know for some degree of ecumenicalism mm. but he drew the line mm-hmm. and his line was very clearly the word of god and that, so that's the context we're talking about today i i don't blame anybody for not wanting to go to church on no. sunday you know that this this is why this you know it's so important for everybody listening for us all to think what do non-Christians, what are people who have no faith, but maybe particularly people who are, you know, British from from this country, um, who maybe perhaps still think that Great Britain is a Christian nation, which of course is it's not, and it stopped mm-hmm. being a Christian nation a long time ago. Uh, what do they think of yeah. God? You know, this is why we we have to address before we get before we get to the the gospel is 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 this kind of reality check and then the apology, which is to say, and I, I think this is vitally important for every Christian to hear this, is that why would your neighbours mm. who hear some Christians celebrating things that Christ has said is not right, is not good, is not true, why would our neighbours take Christianity seriously? Mm-hmm. And in so doing, that's why we've referred here to the the gospel being kind of like effectively buried in the rubble of our messed up post-rational world gone mad. Because the, 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 the stunning beauty of the gospel is, I think, sullied. It is, it is buried. Mm-hmm. So why would our neighbours across the road not be in Ikea on Sunday morning eating yeah. meatballs? Yeah. You know? So I, I'm, I'm banking that... Many people of no faith will be quietly distressed by the knowledge that children at school are being told you can choose whether you're a little boy or a little girl. I'm I'm banking on that because because I think I think such is the intimidating, demonically inspired reality that we're living in, mm. which which is fear, fear and intimidation. It's mm-hmm. like the moment you even begin to express that. Am I going to be reported? Yeah. You know. Yeah, cancel culture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I have no doubt that a very high percentage of people of no faith have no idea about God, Mm. have no idea about the gospel, have no idea about the kingdom, will 
respect what we've said here in this first paragraph. Mm-hmm. So the reality check, that's that's the first bit. Yeah. And, you know, again, you'll need to read this all in, in your own time. So the second bit, an apology. Do you want to read this bit? I'll get it up if you read it. Okay, so the second part is just called an apology. We are very sorry that the church is in the mess that it's in. We would completely understand if you had no interest in reading, quote, religious material or going to church. Much of what goes on in churches today is not faithful to what they are actually there to do, i.e. glorify God by believing his unchanging word, the Bible, and without any form of compromise to broadcast clearly the only way of salvation, the cross of Jesus Christ. Remember those church steeples we mentioned. Today, spiritual faithfulness is rare because the world rejects absolute truth, dubbing it bigotry or hate speech. Fear reigns everywhere. Common sense is extinct. But the Bible confronts the popular narrative of quote-unquote one option among many, the celestial sweet shop of our godless age, which Satan would have you believe. The church should be telling you that Satan seeks to bury truth with pluralism, whichever way works for you, confuse it with sects or cults like the the Jehovah's Witnesses, and to kill it by literally any means possible. Demons don't want you to think about eternity. They want you to believe lies about the unreliability of the biblical manuscripts. Please Google it. We're going to qualify something there, so that will change Mm. a bit. Specifically, we apologise that the church of today commonly dilutes the offensiveness of the message of Jesus by focusing on he loves you while neglecting the first word of it, repent. We want you to know that when one Christian says one thing while another Christian says something that is polar opposite, it is most certainly not okay. This is why our church steeples today have become about as meaningful as a Boris Johnson apology. Just one quick note there, um, where we're we're saying we want you to know that when one Christian says one thing while another, of course there will always be disagreements. Mm. What, What I might tweak that to say is, it's important to understand that when Christians say something that's polar opposite to what Jesus has said, yes, yeah. that is most certainly mm-hmm. not okay. We are sorry that you might not have ever properly heard this good news before or that you might have heard a half-baked version of it. This booklet is to encourage you to consider what the church steeples of your town or city were once originally built for. Something vague, contradictory and fleeting or something solid, eternal and true. Please read the Bible for yourself. Don't look to the church. I'll be qualified. I'll be changing that little last sentence there. The reliable truth of Jesus Christ's life, death and resurrection is not to give you health, wealth and prosperity, but to give you lasting peace. Yeah, and on that point there that I'll be changing, please don't, please read the Bible for yourself. Don't look to the church. I'll be I'll be changing that because that's not quite right. This is why this is a mock and a uh, kind of first version draft. Um, I need to qualify that, and I need to be careful. And I am we are conscious that we are treading a fine line here in some in some ways. Mm. I don't think we're we're treading a fine line by apologising or treading a fine line by getting a reality check. But I think the fine line is to do with the. 
and this is what we can maybe talk about now, what really is at the root of an apology for people who don't mm. know God and who don't know Jesus, who he really is, is that the church is part of the problem. Yeah. And um, so that's what I'm getting at there. But so let's let's talk around that as being the root of the this apology. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I'm we're both convinced um, that this is this is a this is a prophetic blade. It's the prophetic way that I think people's attention will, will be um, caught is is that the church is the problem. Why is why is the church the problem? I mean, we've got a couple of things in mind which we don't mm-hmm. need to go into, but I, it, it touches on this thing of. The church is being prepared for the return of Christ. Mm-hmm. Anybody listening to this podcast would agree with that. Um, and as such, how many people? God is sovereignly moving, isn't he? He's mm-hmm. saving people. He's yeah. he's disrupting. He's drawing people to himself. Even without this, even without this, mm-hmm. you know, God doesn't need us. He doesn't need gospel tracts. Um. But but for those people who who are coming to faith at this point in history, what's the problem? And you know we've we've obviously spoken a lot about this, but if you like, where where would you go? The, you know, it's so confusing. I think for people who have, particularly if you've got no church background, mm. it's really difficult to to know where to go and who to connect with because. I mean, it really is at the point where you can walk through a church door and not hear a, a real representation of what the Bible says about who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. Um, or what it, what it means to be a Christian. Yeah, and you can have disciple, yeah. elements missed out or, you know, completely different emphases and different things. And, you know, for somebody who's who's just even exploring these things, where you end, if, if you walk through any different building, you can end up with, you know, in some cases it's just minor things, but in other cases with quite a radically different understanding mm. of who Jesus was, why he even came yeah. to earth, any of these things. How do you actually become a Christian? Yeah. What does saving faith mean? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it, that is catastrophic if we view it as we should you know, to just say, well, at least they're going to church. That's just simply yeah. not good enough. I mean, well, it's, well, it's what we would talk about as a false assumption, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's a false assumption, like 2, two, two Corinthians 6, where Paul writes about coming out, you know, coming out from being unequally yoked. And the context is unbelief. Come, come out and stop being unequally yoked with unbelievers. And we think it's a false assumption that mm-hmm. if you're in a church that you're not unequally yoked that you're automatically equally yoked and that you're automatically with believers and I think I think I think that's not true I, I think it's dangerous to assume that mm-hmm. and I think also just linked to that little bit that you are going to change about reading the bible for yourself mm-hmm. there's a sense in which the it, kind of the kind of um traditional religion of going to church on a sunday mm can actually take away from you entering into a proper relationship with Jesus because mm-hmm. you think that you know, and the the kind of nominal nom I can't say that word. Nom- nominalism. <laughs> nominalism no, 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 no. allows you to just go through the motions of something mm-hmm. that I think a lot of the of culture today thinks what being a Christian is mm-hmm. is going through a much like 
you would go to a mosque or some or you know that that's all it is when yeah. in actual fact that's you know it's not correct christian nominalism is what we're speaking into here liberalism progressive progressivism mm-hmm. that kind of thing um Listen to this quote from Karl Barth. I included this on a session Saturday, so if you've heard this, apologies, but it's, it warrants being repeated. This is Karl Barth, um, uh, you know, first half of the 20th century, around the time of um, Hitler and part of the nonconformists um, with Bonhoeffer and so on. This is Karl Barth, who was speaking against what we're speaking against. So there's nothing new under heaven. Um, he says, as I look back upon my course so his course meaning his uh his 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 polemic against liberalism and against everything that's false and false doctrine he says of himself i seem to myself as one who ascending the the dark staircase of a church tower and trying to steady himself reached for the banister but got hold of the bell rope instead to his horror he then had to listen to what the great bell had sounded over him and not over him alone. So Karl Barth there is talking about alarm. He's talking about this this alarm of what we're talking about, isn't it? That mm-hmm. people people really haven't got a clue because mm-hmm. of this false assumption that yeah, and we're responsible. And you'd mentioned there just about the, the you know the the thing of what did you say about Islam? Well, just the you know what as you've highlighted here the distinctiveness of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, we can easily end up in a man-made religion, which is, I think, what a lot of people just don't want anything to do with because mm-hmm. it's like if you, you know, it, this idea of you just do this and this and this and then you're fine. Mm-hmm. That's that somehow that's what Christianity is, mm-hmm. is just not correct. And if people think that, it's because we have not helped them understand that going to church on a Sunday isn't, isn't what it's about. Isn't what makes you a Christian yeah. or, or even a healthy disciple. Exactly. My point my point in my mind there, as you mentioned Muslims as, a, as an example, is that we know, I hope you know anyway, that, that God is sovereignly revealing himself to many Muslims mm-hmm. in the Middle East or other parts of the world. Um, and in other words, that God, again, going back to what I was saying, is that God doesn't need us. He doesn't need us to write gospel tracts. Particularly, you know, we there is a, of course a, a, an enduring perpetual command to preach the gospel, make disciples. This is the thought: if God reveals Himself sovereignly to Muslims in, say, Iran, how glorious is that? Mm-hmm. But what about people in in the West here mm-hmm. who are? You, you might think are, are less disadvantaged than Muslims in Iran or anywhere else in the Middle East. But if they are living in a West that is known to be a Christian nation, surrounded by steeples, church steeples, 300 church steeples in Edinburgh or whatever, are they not themselves? In other words, we have to think that God, we know that God is moving in the hearts of, God sees the disadvantage of people in the West, in Edinburgh or anywhere else in the West, who are in this Christian nominal culture, spiritual culture, and he's stirring them. Mm -hmm. It's not like God doesn't know that the church isn't fit for purpose. Mm -hmm. And And he's sovereignly working in people's, he's saving people even though no one has given them a faithful proclamation of the gospel, and even though the churches aren't going to be fit for purpose to lead them into maturity, um, 
if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, so God, so that's why we've needed to apologize and why we are continuing to, we will apologize for the rest of our lives. In some way, mm-hmm. I mean, who knows what God's going to do in the church, yeah. but God has a plan. Mm-hmm. And so when we think of people who are, this is this is the really important part here, and we're trying to be succinct and concise. But this is the really important thing that I want everyone to think about is that if God is sovereignly moving to save people, and he is, but it would be detrimental to those people that he's revealing himself to to just go into the system where there's a half-baked gospel, where there isn't any reality of Jesus' return, where doctrine is just take it or leave it, agree to disagree, where there's no real understanding of suffering or, or the cost of discipleship, which was the bread and butter of of for Paul mm-hmm. and Jesus. Um, something, something we need to be radically different in how we think about how the church is being prepared yeah. and how the, you know what it means to plant churches. Can we believe that people who God is sovereignly revealing Himself to, in the knowledge that there's this immediate disconnect? between what that person who God is sovereignly revealing himself is seeing in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And then they go, they, it's understandable that they reach out and go to the church because it's like, well, I'm a, I think I'm a Christian now. I, I believe this. But then in going to the church, suddenly it's like, this doesn't match. This doesn't match <laughs> what I'm just reading. Why are people like this? Why are they not like that? And so um, can we believe that churches will just emerge in people's homes from people who are... That's not to say that there's no need for discipleship, leadership, fivefold gifts and so on. Of course, we're not talking We're not talking about reducing the church to just some kind of, you know, ongoing house group with coffee and cake and, and not having a... You know what I'm saying? It's like if God is sovereignly revealing himself to people to save them, surely God is also sovereignly working for churches to emerge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the way that it was in the early church. Exactly. Should we do the next bit? Yes. You read it again. Okay. So, third section. Let's marry. (laughs) Repent. Okay. The Bible often uses an old word, sin, that we struggle to properly understand in our modern cultures today especially as we might think rarely of morality, right and wrong, or of the spiritual powers of good and evil, the effects of which are very obvious in the world. Have you, he- have you ever heard this verse of the Bible before? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, Romans 3.23. In other words, all of us fall infinitely short of God's standard of holy perfection and are sinful by nature at birth, regardless of how well we think each we think we each think we personally go on to live our lives. The track record of your good living is never going to work as the standard or method to achieve your fundamental peace with a holy God, is it? All other false world religions cult Cults and sects are based on human methods for trying to earn their salvation, knocking on doors or not swallowing saliva during Ramadan as examples. The true message of salvation as a gift by faith in Christ is a unique and unparalleled message exclusive to the claims of Jesus Christ the Messiah. 
The message of salvation via repentance is massively offensive to all of us because we all want to somehow earn our peace with God, proudly justifying ourselves. This is why the first word of the gospel is repent, because it's not an exclamation of God's anger so much as as his love. He wants you to turn to him in humility and faith to receive what you will never be able to do for yourself. To repent means to recognise that you are sinful by nature and urgently need God's help in being reconciled to him. This is the only posture in which you can receive the elusive sense of peace that we all long for. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Psalm 51.5 Repent also means to turn to God, turn away from sin, and by faith accept the work of Jesus' cross that will justify you immediately and forever. Sin is a gross and eternal offence in the sight of a holy God, and the only way to know peace with him is by believing in the blood of Jesus Christ crucified. So this is the gospel. This is the gospel explained in in an appropriate way so as to provide people with the basic understanding of of the scripture and particularly the New Testament, you know, Mm -hmm. the fulfillment of, um, you know, the the significance of the cross. And that's what we go into in in the second section. So we can perhaps move over this this little bit, a little bit faster, Mm -hmm. because having having gone through um, the reality check and then an, an apology. And we thought, I did think quite carefully about that. Maybe the apology needed to be first, but actually I think the reality check is, as you said, the hook. Hook isn't quite the right word because no. it's, it's, it's not, uh, you know, it's not quite the right word. It's, to, it's to kind of meet somebody where they are. Yeah, it's to be real. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. to be real with people, isn't it? You know? Anyway, we've said enough for now about that. <laughs> then the apology, and then and then we give them the gospel, trying to understand what this word repent means. Many of us don't perhaps fully understand mm. what it means. And then we go on to gods and kings, which I think in a sense is... Um, I think it's an extension of, rep- of the re- repent bit. I'll just read it out here. Um Gods and Kings. Have you seen Ridley Scott's movie Gods and Kings? You might recall near the end when Moses says, pity the lambs if I am wrong. If I'm right, we will bless them for eternity. In the actual Bible account in Exodus, Moses was told by God to command the Israelites to put the blood of a slaughtered lamb on the lintels and doorposts of their homes so that the final plague of Egypt would pass over them. It was a critical moment in ancient history when the Israelites were delivered from the powers of Egypt by an intervention of supernatural power. But it was also a prophetic foreshadowing, quote unquote, of another lamb. We're very careful. We're trying to be careful about what language we Mm. use. A foreshadowing of another lamb who would be sacrificed once and for all in order that the same wrath of God would pass over all who put their trust in Jesus shed blood on the cross, not just the Jewish people. John 1, 29, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So I've suggested to read Mark's gospel. No one in Jesus' day doubted his crucifixion. It was taken as granted. Why would Jesus endure that kind of death? What is history telling you? That the exclamation of the first word of the gospel, repent, is a profoundly loving command. Jesus loves you so much that he would bleed and die for you. 
This is why the first word of the gospel is a command to humble yourself before a holy God who longs to save you. The prophet Isaiah, foreseeing the coming of Jesus, described him as being marred beyond or disfigured beyond human likeness, Isaiah 52, 14. The truth is that there is nothing that you can do to make God love you any less, and there is nothing that you can do to make him love you any more. The blood of Jesus Christ is the only way, the only way. God the Father loves you so much that he sacrificed his own son. Through the shedding of his blood and by your faith in believing, you will know perfect peace. As mind-blowing as it is, this is the truth of the good news of the gospel, of the Bible. Jesus won't make your life a walk in the park. Hello? Jesus will not make your life a walk in the park. In many ways, it will be much harder in a world that's aggressively opposed to him. But you will know the joy and peace of his unconditional forgiveness. He loves you. He loves you. It's profoundly unloving to communicate the gospel without a reality check. Mm. I think it's I think it's profoundly unloving to to not to communicate the gospel without an apology. Yeah. It says in Ephesians two, if you read Ephesians two, I think it's around about verse twelve. Um, Paul refers to that being in the world without hope, mm. and he gets him he gets the Christians in Ephesus to think what it was like to have been in the world without hope and you've passed from death to life. You're a new creation in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.17. But I, th- for folk who are in the world, and I think it's completely understandable that there's this kind of pandemic madness about masks and vaccines and stuff. If, you, if you're not, if you've got no eternal hope and yeah. this is it, mm-hmm. if this for you is as good as it gets, I understand worry, anxiety, mm. stress. I understand, you know, paranoia. And so I think it's profoundly unloving to try and even communicate the gospel without getting a reality check Mm -hmm. and without an apology, Mm -hmm. but then give them the gospel Mm -hmm. in the knowledge of his red hot, fiery love for them. And I, you know, and that, that's what, that's what we're doing. And, you know, we focused for the last 18 months on abortion and we'll continue to do that Mm -hmm. because I think that's one of the big things that people just are like, why would you go to church? Christians don't care that babies are killed Mm -hmm. yeah 100% yeah I think it's I think it's really I think we need to feel the weight of some of these things like I know we've talked about it a lot and but I think feeling the weight of what you've put into this tract is really important and I think when we feel the weight about it we will also I think pray differently as well. Mm. You know, pray differently about how how to, how to reach people who I think, as you're saying, are, and I think a lot of people who are going to be really distressed about what's happening in the world today. About especially since COVID as well. You know, like the world has changed dramatically. There's a lot of stress and anxiety in the news. There's a lot of you know daily lives of people changing. And we're moving from what has felt like quite an easy existence sometimes to people who are genuinely struggling a Mm. lot. And I think feeling the weight of of the eternal reality is, I think, what a lot of people feel Mm -hmm. without even knowing that that's what it is, Mm -hmm. that they feel a weight of something that feels quite hopeless. Mm -hmm. Um, But there is a remedy. 
Paul says, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. And there is a remedy. Yeah? Woe to me if I do not tell people the remedy. Yeah. Um, I think just final thing I want to say, um, as gently as I can, which is this, that I believe, I, we believe that God has and continues to in his grace and mercy and his long-suffering nature standing amongst the lampstands in Revelation 1 to, to 3, um, longing for his people to repent and turn. I, I think that God is issuing a, a warning from people who are being sovereignly saved mm. and who are seeing the problem with the church mm-hmm. immediately. Yeah. Whereas Christians who are persistent in being a positive influence inside or yeah. you know not feeling the weight of what we're talking mm. about constantly thinking well so this isn't apostate when's it going to be i think god is warning us through people who he is sovereignly revealing himself mm. to and who then immediately see the problem yeah that's that is a warning mm-hmm. for the church and so we all need to feel this weight we need to be disrupted we need yeah. to be disrupted you know we need to be consumed by what John the Baptist and Jesus was consumed by, which is the preparation of the way of Jesus to be, for Jesus to return. Um, and that is only going to look increasingly disrupted, mm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we've probably said enough for today. So if you want to get this, just let us know. Let's pray. Father, today we just, we want to thank you for the unchanging, eternal nature of who you are and your spoken word and that we have, your your Bible. We just thank you so much today for that reality that we can come and know absolute truth, that we don't have to question it, but come and come freely, that the truth of the gospel is astounding every day even when you've heard it over and over again that we can come just in awe of and gratitude and thankfulness for what you have done for us and that we can come as we are Lord that you the good news is better than we can possibly express in any way and Father we come today wanting to be able to to share that good news, to be able to talk about your goodness and your your holiness and your your loving kindness that you have extended towards us. And as we as we talk about these things and as people listen and as we take out these tracts, Lord, we just pray mm. that your your word would go forth mm. and that people's hearts and minds would be opened in the way that only you can do, Lord, that we know that this is not something that we can do. We are incapable of doing anything, Lord. It needs your your Spirit, Holy Spirit, to come and to, to help people to see, to see these spiritual realities. So we pray for that today, Lord. We pray for the streets around us. We pray for the people around us, Lord. We pray for homes and 
just that you're your word would go forth in them and um there would be as your word says living living water that that comes forth and father we just ask these things today we we pray them in your son's name amen amen well well, there isn't a way that we can see we pray that you would make that way clear to your people in jesus name Amen. amen If you'd like to support the work we're doing, as mentioned, if you want to support the public reading of scripture that requires time and the content ongoing, please do see our Patreon page to become a patron in the show notes.